welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Well, okay, we're still progressing with learning more about the Holy Spirit. And um, so in the first few weeks, we've been looking at we're no longer sinners so that we don't get condemned when we go to pray for minister for people or speak at a church. You're not feeling like, oh gosh, I've got to sort something out in me. He knows you, he loves you, and he's done everything for you. And last week I was trying to like push your expectation or understanding of what this kingdom of heaven is like and about the miraculous realm that you live in, that you're part of. Um, and it was lovely to see on Facebook Andy and, he, and kids sticking money to the wall. <laughs> it was lovely to see that. <laughs> Did they? Yeah? Really good. So um, it's just really trying to expand your belief that this miraculous realm that you're in, that he's raised you up into, exists around you. Hello? Oh, Andy, I've got something for you. So, um, so last week we were, we were looking at all of those miraculous things that happened. We've had a quick, brief look into that Finger of God movie so we could see gold and jewels and all those sort of things. But now we're going to start more focusing on what, what the normal aspect of our life walking in the Spirit is, and that is being able to minister to other people, being able to pray for them, and see God at work in their lives. So you're going away this weekend, so a lovely time to start thinking about this, starting to be aware of how to minister to somebody, how to hear the Holy Spirit, how to respond to what the Holy Spirit's saying, etc. And the first thing to really start to grapple with is that, unfortunately, our education, um, all our education systems, don't really help us in terms of moving in the spirit because you know science really wants to tell you you know there's cause and effect this you do these experiments and that's the result and that's the answer and they're, they're all good all good things but the spirit realm is just different and the language of the spirit realm is not necessarily german or english first of all it's not necessarily that you're hearing words, there's lots of other ways that you start to respond to the Spirit of God. And it's like retraining yourself to pick up on all of those prompts of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to start looking at, is how do I know, how do I begin to know what the Holy Spirit feels like around me? What's he like? Uh, what's he like when he's wanting to do ministry? And how do I join in with him? So we're going to start looking at that. Um, I drew this out, and it just helps me understand things a bit. Down here is this empirical world of our senses. It's science. You know, it's what we work out, what feel, touch, etc., what all the experiments we can do to prove things. And up here, we've got the world beyond us, 
you know, heaven, religionless things going on. You know, we can't really touch, see it, feel it. It's out of our grasp. And most of us in the Western world exclude this middle zone, which is where I've said you've been raised up to, heavenly places, right? That's where you've been raised to. And it's where the supernatural forces take place. And we are sons and daughters of the king, and that's where we live, okay? And that's where we experience the Holy Spirit. Jesus really expected us to be able to see from our hearts. So it's not with our eyes or ears, whatever, but see from our hearts. It's something inside us. It's the ability to see things in the spiritual realm. Um, and it's not as a, as a result of a spiritual special gift. It is, um, clarify that, the gifts of the Spirit do help you in the whole process of seeing in the spiritual realm. But there's something I think that's in most people. And one example I use, and you'll all be aware of it, is if in this room some events going on, say so two people arguing, whatever, and then they stop, and you walk in through the door, you instantly know that something's not right. You feel it. And you, it's not like you've heard them argue, you just feel it inside. Most women are very intuitive. They pick up on all of these sensations, all the things around them. Uh, most men go, yes, okay, I don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I think it's in us. It's this ability to respond to that, that middle zone, that what's going on in this realm. You'll find that there's Christians who are like, go, oh, they'll walk into a room who really sense what's happening here. And others are a bit unaware of it. And I think the reason is they just haven't been retraining their senses yet. They just haven't been um, putting value into those aspects of their life. In Matthew 16, verses 1 to 4, Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites because they could discern whether, you know, they could look at the sky and say, oh yes, look, red sky at night, shepherd's delight, it's going to be a lovely day tomorrow. But they couldn't discern spiritual things so and that's the position we're in we're needing to learn to discern spiritual things leaning to learn how to put credence in all the things that the spirit of god's doing in us and begin to recognize them um in john 3 verse 3 it says most assuredly, I say to you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So the result here is all of us can see the kingdom of God because we've been born again. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So you can see the Holy Spirit. Now that's a lot of it is seeing with your heart, you know, with that bit that's inside you, seeing what he does. Uh, sometimes you get to see it with your own eyes. Uh, I remember praying for a lady who had leukemia and I saw over her this, I've called it like a glow. And I just knew that God was bringing healing to that lady who had leukemia. So you can sometimes see it with your own physical eyes, but most of the times you're seeing it in, in your spirit. But we're encouraged to increase our capacity to be able to see. Um, you know, it's, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first Holy Spirit. Seek him. Put it in the 
prominent position. <laughs> I want to know you. I want to be aware of you. I want to sense you. I want to know what you're doing. You know, you can't do anything in the kingdom of God without the Holy Spirit. So get to know him. Set your mind on the things that are above and not on the things on earth. So there's a whole aspect of our life is to pursue the heavenly realm. Um, and It's a real value to begin to say, okay, God, I want to begin to walk in this whole realm. I remember there's a lady who lives in Chester called Alice Creswell, and um, she's a wonderful woman of God. Uh, but I remember a story that she was telling me. She said that uh, she, one day she thought, Lord, I really would love to know how to pray for deliverance because I've read some books and I just don't know how to do it. Holy Spirit, could you help me? So that was her prayer. Then she started to have dreams. And in these dreams, she was being chased by monsters. And it was like nightmares. And she was waiting up in a real sweat and thinking, this is terrible. So she would do lots of spiritual warfare about these dreams. You, know, you get off me, Satan. You're not going to touch me. And, but she would continue to have these dreams and continue to wake up in a sweat and continue to be chased by monsters. And then she said, this can't be right, God. And then in the next dream that she had, she was chasing the monster. And she thought, this isn't a dream from the enemy. This is a dream from the Holy Spirit. He's revealing to me a truth, which is I have authority over all demons. She began to realize that she had authority. So she said, okay, I've got authority over every demon. Please help me even you know, to know how to exercise this. And the Holy Spirit said, on Sunday, there'll be a woman coming to church who is demon-possessed. So she rang her pastor up and said, on Sunday, there's going to be a woman come who is demon-possessed. Don't worry about it. I know how to deal with it. <laughs> so she said, on that Sunday, all of a sudden at the back of church, there's a commotion going on. She thought, I know what this is. She goes to the back of church. There's this woman beginning to manifest uh, demons. She thought, right, I know what to do now. I've got authority over these monsters that were chasing me in the dream, so I'm going to tell it to go. In the name of Jesus, the woman's totally set free. And that's a lady who lives in Chester. Uh, it's just wonderful how the Holy Spirit will teach you and open up things in the spiritual realm to you that are just, you know, you think, oh, can I ever do that? Yes, the answer is yes. You know, it says in Scripture, for the things that we see are temporary. I mean, this, <laughs> the Word of God classes this as temporary. You know, it's, but that which is not seen is eternal. And the Spirit of God, you know, is eternal. That's the one we're going to learn to follow. And Jesus made it very clear. He said he only did what he saw the Father doing. So somehow or other, he was able to see what Father was doing and he chose to do those things. Okay. And I think, you know, the power in all that he did was in that ability to see and follow what God was doing. Uh, and <laughs> I think it's worthwhile us realizing where we are at the moment. We're probably still in uh, kindergarten in trying to learn this. Um, I know for myself, um, doing stuff out on the street, as I've found it 
always found it difficult. Um, and I got the chance to go with the iDestiny school probably years ago, I think it was. Um, and Irvin was helping run the, um, the group and they went to, to York. And Kath and myself said, well, we'll come up and join you. You know, this was any excuse to stay in a nice hotel in York and have a day in York was, you know, it was worth doing. So uh, we met up with them in, in York and they're in a little square. And, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like a fish out of water. Don't really know what I'm doing. Alice was there and Hannah was there uh, and they were, you know, handing out chocolates and flowers and that. And I have to say, it didn't quite do that to me, really, you know, standing there handing out those things. And Irving said, do you want to go for a, a cup of coffee, Alan? I thought, that's a good idea. I like these mission trips where I can go for a coffee. So, but I'm here, I'm trying to learn to hear the Holy Spirit, to respond to the Holy Spirit. And we're going for a cup of coffee. So we go to this outdoor cafe, I go sit in the... Um, you know, on these benches, tables outside the coffee shop and Irving buys me a cup of tea and Kath a coffee and we sat there in the sunshine and it was really nice, really enjoyed it. And then he says, oh, I better just go and uh, help Alice and Hannah and see what they're doing. So he gets up and starts to move away. And at that point, this, there's a family sat here. So there's uh, mum and dad, uh, uh, an adult son, and his wife. So that's the family. And I hear him say, that's my dad's doctor. And we turn to him and says, well, you know Irvin? Yeah, he's my doctor from Lim. So we call Irvin back. And yes, this was true. Um, so it was mum, dad, and daughter, and then her daughter's husband. And it was his um, doctor. So Irving's chatting to him like he can do. He's very easy chatting, chatting away like that. And then uh, Irving says, uh, look, we're a, a, a ministry team um, come from Manchester up to here to York to pray for people. So um, is there anybody here who's sick? He says, uh, we're learning to how to pray for the sick. Does anybody here sick? We'd like to pray for you. So the, the uh, older guy goes, well, me. I'm about to have a knee replacement. Um, it's just so painful. No problem, Irvin says. I'm, I'm here trying to engage with this, trying to learn from it, right? Uh, no problem, says Irvin. I'll get two dolly birds to come and pray for you. So he calls over Hannah and Alice, and they start praying for this older gentleman over there, while I'm now talking to the guy who is a, um, a photographer. He has his own professional photographer, takes pictures of Ryan Giggs and people from Manchester United, people like that, show me his work. Oh, gosh, it was stunning stuff. Um, you know, tell me how he creates all these wonderful photographs. And I begin to prophesy over his, him and his business. You know, that's just happening here. All of a sudden, the dad's jumping up and down, stamping his foot on the floor, going, it's healed. My knee's healed. My knee's healed. <laughs> I don't have any more pain. And then the, his wife is going, well, pray for me now. Pray for me, please, because my knee's hurt as well. So Hannah and I are coming over to pray for their knees like this. And this was this wonderful scene going on of um, this outreach. Now, afterwards, I'm like trying to understand from Irving, how on earth did you get us into this God encounter, this setup where it seemed like we were doing father's business. And he said, well, I had this 
sort of inner inkling that I should go to the coffee shop. So that's why I asked you to come. Then he said, I had this inkling that we should sit on that particular table. So that's why we sat on that table. He said, and then after a while, after we'd drunk our tea and our coffee and nothing seemed to be happening, I felt I'd better go and help Alice. So I got up and walked away. And it was there that all that event took place. And this is what I'm trying to say to you is we need to learn how to pick up on all of those signals in every environment that we're in, whether it's church, whether it's out on the street, whether it's with your family at home. It's what all of those promptings of the Spirit and give value to them. Because I believe we're all getting these promptings. We're all getting these sort of like nudges. But most of us probably don't put much value to them because they're not the scientific thing that I can work out, you know. Or it, we might feel a bit apprehensive or nervous or I don't know what I could do. And, you know, just being there with Irvin was just wonderful. So if ever he takes you out anywhere, hang close to him because you'll pick up you'll learn from him about how to respond like that. Um, I don't know whether he's told you the stories. Has he told the stories yet about praying for a guy that was dying of um, cancer and he was... No, he's not told you that. Well, I'm going to steal his thunder now, aren't I? Anyway, I'll do it. You'd have to pretend that you don't know when he tells you. Um, so he's, a, he's a, a general practitioner, isn't he? And one of his patients is severely ill with cancer in fact he's on death's door there's you know he's got days to live Irvin's at home praying for this guy really praying for him um, that something would happen and he feels the prompt of the Holy Spirit to go to the man's house so he decides he'll go and this is late at night we're like you know it's really quite late at night he's going now Fortunately, a bit different to us in that he is the GP. So when he knocks on the door, you know, the wife isn't going, who are you? He's like, oh, that's a GP. <laughs> that's a bit like, come in. But when he goes to the guy who's in bed and really very, very ill, the Holy Spirit says to him, I want you to pray in tongues now very loudly. Now, it's one thing like doing that maybe in church. It's a different thing when you're praying for someone who doesn't know God, etc. Anyway, Irvin, trust the Holy Spirit, that prompt, and starts to pray as loud as he could in tongues over this guy. After so many minutes of Irving praying like this, the man is shouting out to his wife, throw him out of the house. I don't want him here anymore. Tell him to stop. I cannot cope with this. Get him out of my house. And so the wife puts Irving out of the house. Now Irving, for a number of weeks after that, felt this f like fear that he's going to get, um, you know, called up before the medical board for malpractice because of, you know, this terrible behaviour. Um, and feeling of, oh God, you know, may I just heard you wrong, it's all wrong, I'm sorry about this, you know. But I tried to do what you've said and I've tried to be obedient to you but and I tried to trust you, but oh, it's all, you know, that's the sort of feeling he had. Two years later, um, he's in his GP's, office again and uh, a man walks in to see him um, and says uh, to Irvin you don't know who I am do you and Irvin says uh, no I don't recognize you and he says I'm the man that you came to pray for and I was totally healed 
when you prayed for me. And Irving, God, why didn't you come and tell me earlier? <laughs> it's like two years later. <laughs> but there's another example of following that prompt of the Holy Spirit that even starts to put you in an awkward situation, choosing to do it, choosing to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, choosing to go with that, that inner voice, if like inner prompt. And then, gosh, God does his wonderful stuff. And you get the chance to join in with this. You get the chance to be involved with this. And it all comes down from beginning to learn how to respond to um, the spiritual realm and having a paradigm shift. So you, some of you might have seen this picture. So pass that round and then tell me what you see. Is it an old woman or a young woman? And you see? You can see both? Okay, that's all right. It doesn't really matter which you see first. You see an old woman or a young woman? Okay, can you see the old woman? Yeah? Okay. You obviously all been looked at this before. Young or old? You see both. They're all good. So, my little example has fallen down here, but we are trained to see things in a certain way. So, lots of people just see the young woman, and when you say there's an old woman in this picture, they just cannot see it. It struggles, struggle, struggle, struggle. Or the other way around, they see the old woman, you say there's a young woman there, oh, I can't see it. And even when you explain to them, you say, look, that's the eyelash, that's the chin, that's the... they go, no. And I'm just using that as an example to say that moving in the spirit realm is a bit like that. It's a bit like Irving saying, I feel I should go and sit at that table. And you go, well, how did you know that then? You know. Did he speak to you, big loud voice, go sit at the table? Or was it just something in you, Irvin, that you felt it? Well, I felt it. I saw with my heart. Well, how do I get to see with my heart then? It can feel a bit frustrating because you feel like, I want to be able to do that. <laughs> and it's that choosing to say, okay, Holy Spirit, you're my teacher. You will reveal how to do these things. Um. Unbelief gets anchored in the visible realm. You know, it just does. It, it's like you want to have proof of things. <laughs> you want to know how to do it right. <laughs> you want to have the right way of praying for that person. So if you give me a formula, then I could repeat the formula over and over again and I'll be all right. The only trouble with that is that Jesus never used any formulas. He just did it different ways. And that's how we're going to have to do it, is follow him. So there was a lady called Faith on the school a few years ago, and she was going to pray for a woman who had tennis elbow, very painful tennis elbow. And they'd been praying, her and the other students had been praying for quite a time for this, you know, normal prayers, tell this pain to go, you know, in the name of Jesus, we expect it to be healed, and nothing was happening. And then Faith goes, I'm just going to do something. I feel to, I'm just going to do it. 
round and round the garden like a teddy bear, one step, two step. And when she did the two step to her elbow, the woman's elbow was instantly healed. And so you can't teach that. Do you get what I mean? I cannot teach you how to do that, but I can help you understand the flow of the Spirit, help you link to the Holy Spirit and follow the way he does it. And he sometimes gets you to do the strangest of things. Your whole body can become aware of the Spirit of God uh, and you can respond to those sensations and see lovely stuff happen. Um, and just to help our German friends, I think in German you have the same word for both belief and faith. Whereas in English, we have two separate words. That's about the only occasion, I think, we have more words than anybody else for a particular thing. Um, but to try and help you understand both, because I'm using both words. Um, for us, um, belief would be, it, it's really quite, biblical belief is quite closely linked to trust. If Jesus said it, I'm going to trust him, right? It's, that's where I believe you, Jesus. You've spoken, I believe you. That's where I am with my belief, okay? Now, faith is a different type of word, and it, and it has substance about it. That's what it talks about in Hebrew, that, the, that faith has uh, substance. So, it seems to me that belief is the doorway into faith. Uh, belief enables me, I'm going to trust him and I'm going to believe what he said is true and I'm going to act on it. And as soon as I start to act on it, I then find there's some substance in what I'm acting on. That's what it feels like to me for the two separate words. Okay. So, it, the Bible doesn't say that with your mind you believe. It says it's through faith. It's a very strange thing. So it's nothing to do with my mind. It's nothing to do with my intellect because I've... I've been on my destiny, I've studied enough, listened to all these teachers, I've got all this in my mind, therefore I am believing. Actually, it's not. And to be honest with you, it's you putting your trust in him and stepping out on that water and all of a sudden the water's solid and you can walk on it. That's where, that's where we are. That's where it is when faith eventually, when she found like, oh gosh, I'm just going to do what I feel God tells me to do. In my garden, like a teddy bear, I feel silly doing this one step, two step, instantly healed. Oh, wonderful. You know, what was it that made Jesus put mud on the blind person's eye? You know, there's something there, the Spirit led him, prompted him. I've seen many Christians putting mud on people's eyes and nothing happening because we try to make a formula. And the, no, there's no formulas. There isn't a formula on how to pray for someone. It is all to do with your relationship with the Spirit, with Him and what He does. And He will lead you differently. So how do you pray for somebody who has got very bad eyesight? Uh, I once prayed for a lady who had, you know, you know, you see people with the immensely thick glasses, you know, they're like saucers. And she, even with these glasses on, she couldn't read, you know, big banners that you would have on church walls. She couldn't read the banner on the other side of the wall. And she said, please, would you pray for my eyes because I cannot see. How do you pray for someone like that? Well, when I was praying with her, it was smell that helped me pray. Because as I started to pray with her, 
after a while, probably just praying, you know, say five minutes praying with her, all of a sudden the smell of nicotine was so strong. And in this inner bit in here, it's a spirit of nicotine, Alan, and you've got to command it to go. Oh, okay. I don't know how that links to somebody's eyes. I mean, I'm not a doctor, fortunately. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not worried about there can't be a link, you know. So nicotine, spirit of nicotine, I tell you to come out. Immediately she manifests, the spirit goes, she takes her glasses off, she could read everything on the wall. So it's, there isn't a formula, because I can't do that next time. I can only respond to the God's Spirit as he's leading you. And this learning to respond to him is probably the most key bit, really, in your ministering to people. How does the Spirit move? How does it, what does it feel like when he's moving? What does it feel like when he's touching me? What does it feel like when he's, what do I see when he's touching you, you know? So these are all the things that we're going to try and learn. Faith isn't the absence of doubt. It's the presence of belief. And it's a mistake to try and examine your faith to see whether it's strong enough. You, you probably never find it. I find it's a bit like drifting sand. I, I never know whether I've got enough faith. He says he's given me the measure of faith. Okay, <laughs> I obviously must have enough then. If he's given me the measure of faith, I've got enough to do whatever he wants me to do. I don't go looking for it anymore. I used to look for it. Oh gosh, I used to look for it. I used to have a gun. As I'm, am I increasing in faith? Am I maturing in faith? That was always the thing. Now it's just, okay God, I'm with you. And we can do wonderful, amazing things together. You know. Um. But your body t helps you learn as well. Um, it's, your body's been designed to live in the glory of God. Therefore, it's going to have some response, isn't it? It's going to learn, you know, you'll be able to recognize God. Romans 12 verses 1 to 2 says, Present your bodies a living sacrifice. So somehow or other, me presenting my body to God enables me to communicate, connect with. Psalm 63 verses, uh, verse 1. My flesh longs for you. So even the psalmist is saying, look, my body can long for the presence of God. It, there's something in it that loves being in the presence of glory. And it, and it knows when it's there. And it knows when the Holy Spirit's moving. So I've got to take note of it and give it value and honour what's happening. Hebrews 5 verse 14 says, a mark of maturity is that you have your senses trained to discern good and evil. You want to know what maturity is? Your senses that's in your body have been trained by you to discern good and evil. Wonderful. That's maturity. Not how much you know. <laughs> it's that you've trained your senses. So we can recognize God with our bodies and, you know, be able to respond to him. You know, what does the presence of the Holy Spirit feel like to yourself? Um, I know from my, um, at times, it's not all the time, I have to say, but it's all different sensations in me. It can feel like a silk scarf just being drawn across me, and it makes me do that. It makes me look somewhere. It just, like, draws me. It can be, you know, the hair standing on the back of your neck. It can be shaking. It can be laughing. It can be crying. All those things go on. But what's it like in you? 
you know, what does it feel like when you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit? What did it feel like on that I graduate weekend on the Saturday night? What did it, what were your senses saying to you in all of that? Value them, honor them, because they'll help you discern what God's doing. All right. Um, if we look in Acts 13, there's one, I want, there's one particular way in which the Holy Spirit, um, I find he often uses, and I, I'd like us to, to look at. So it's Acts 13 and verse 6. Acts 13 and verse 6. Okay. Now then, now when they had gone through the island of Pathos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Paul, who is also called, sorry, then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, you will not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord. And now, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So here in this situation, you've got somebody who is wanting to know about Jesus and you've got somebody else who is opposing it. And Paul and Barnabas are there. And this is an event where things change for Paul. Up to this point in Acts, it's always Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas went to find Saul brought him out of being in Damascus area, started to take him around on various journeys. After this point, it's always Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. It's like Paul gets promoted. It's interesting. But the bit I wanted to show was that it says that Paul looked intently at the guy. And this is an unction of the spirit, and it happens many times. And you can start to learn how to move in this unction of the Spirit. Because it's not that, oh, I'm just looking at Jonas and like that. It's not that. There's something else happening and he looks intently. Uh, an example for myself. Um, I was once at a, at a church. There's probably about 100 odd people in the church. We come to a ministry time. I'm stood at the front. I look intently at a woman right at the back, back row. And I look at her and I said, um, Jesus wants to heal the, the problem you have with your womb. 
She looks to her husband and said, I've never told you about this problem. Walked out into the aisle, starts walking towards me. As she's walking up the aisle, the Holy Spirit hits her, power hits her, she's healed. What is it? It's this looking intently. It's seeing somebody and you know that the, the Spirit wants to do something, right? So when you go there at Rochdale, don't sit, oh, just sit there. look around. You never know. You might get one of those. Oh, it's you. <laughs> I'm going to prophesy of you. Uh, use it often in, in like church services where you just look around. What does the Holy Spirit want to do? You. Okay, it's you. Now, what, what do you want to do here then? Okay, I'm going to prophesy. Um, or I'm going to go and pray with you. I, it's, it's learning that sense, that feeling in the spirit of, it's that person there. So this happened with Paul. He obviously looked, and then he says the thing that comes out of his mouth, you know, <laughs> you son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, you will not cease from perverting the straight ways of the Lord, and now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind. Now, that's a big statement to say, isn't it? But the guy was, blind for a period of time. So, again, that's like you, you see someone, then that uh, unction of the Spirit comes upon you to, to do something. In my case, it was just declaring that the woman would be, that what her condition was, and as she came forward, the Lord healed her. So, it's the same for you. You'll get that feeling, you'll see it, Fantastic. And I want you to begin to believe that this could happen for you. So go try it. You've got a wonderful opportunity coming in Rochdale. You might be stood at the front. Have a look round. Say, Holy Spirit, show me. Now the next bit is, that's the first bit. You've, you've been willing to have a go. The next bit is when you feel the slightest of inkling, and it will be slight, it'll be like a little touch like that. You've then got to choose to trust that and have a go. Do you understand? And that's the next bit, which is, I'm, it's all water here. I'm going to step out and somehow or other it becomes solid. So you've got to have that, I'm going to trust you, Jesus. And I'm, I'm asking you for help here. It's you. Now I'm going to do it, right? You say, would you stand up, please? just feel that the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you and you're amazed at what happens okay so don't believe it's for only people like Bill Johnson or Andy Clark or whoever it's for anybody who's in the spirit okay thank you for listening to the Our Destiny podcast for further information check out www.idestiny.org.uk